Welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Marilyn Brown. And I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And today I wanted to just kind of check in because we've been away for the last couple of weeks and there's been a lot going on. So I wanted to just kind of start by seeing what's new in your world. Um, well, I just turned 30 uh, last week. So I think it's too new. I haven't really, I don't, I don't really feel any different or anything. I've been also really busy. There's been a lot of stuff uh, acting wise going on, um, which has been really great. Um, yeah, but then there's just, I feel like there's so much going on. We have the latest kind of Starbucks controversy and everything that's happening with Syria and Beyonce and Coachella just happened. And there was just yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, so how, how have you been? I've been good. I actually, I, I tend to like, not really, I, 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 I run in like the kind of um, astrological community a lot. And so we just ended a Mercury retrograde like yesterday. And I usually am not somebody that like really feels like I feel it a lot. Like I'll notice little things, but like, I'm not like, never really feel that affected by it though. I don't deny that other people do. But this time, like, I really felt like I didn't know that I felt it while it was going on. But this morning, I just kind of felt like a shift in my energy and just felt like things that I had been kind of mulling over back and forth for like the last few weeks and just feeling like, oh, is it the right time to do this? Like, I just felt more much more of like a go energy, which for me mm -hmm. is exciting because I'm very much like. I have a very watery energy. I'm a Scorpio. Like I'm, I'm, I'm much more air and water. And so when like it's time to take action, like I kind of struggle. And so I woke up this morning just feeling like energetic and ready to do some things and start some new projects. So I'm excited because you know it's spring. It's the the time where where I want to be out in the world and active. So when I was feeling kind of still like sluggish and kind of still like in my cave last week, I was kind of like, oh, what's going on? It's spring. Why aren't you know? Why aren't I getting getting in that. So, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And actually you mentioned, um, Coachella and I went to Coachella last year and this year we didn't go. And, and last year was the, the only year that I actually attended it. And it was great to be there, but like, I really didn't have as much FOMO as I thought I would have missing Beyonce performing. Cause that was when we bought the tickets. That was, you know, part of the reason when we bought the tickets was why. Um, and so I really felt like I was going to feel like I missed out on something and I did not miss a thing. I watched it live yesterday morning or not live. I watched the repro the rebroadcast that Coach Coachella did yesterday morning. And it was honestly for me so much better than like when I was in the audience last year. Cause it's just so, it's just such a long day. It's so distracting. There's so much going on. So I was actually just like really loving everything about her performance and the historically black college and university theme. Just, it was, I, I loved all of that. So I think yeah, that something... contributed to my up mood. Cause I kind of felt like after I watched that, I was like dancing around the house and like singing and yeah. 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 There was an interesting thing that came up with that, which I think you saw, saw my profile as I had, uh, and it's just, I put a little funny story that happened to me because it was, it was yesterday. I went uh -huh. to a coffee shop and the barista was all about Beyonce and talking about, he, 
he just I I guess watched it on his break. So he was like, "Oh, you are you a big Beyonce fan?" blah blah blah. And he was like super excited and I was trying to like be excited with him and I was like, "Well, I actually don't know much about her music, but I like love Destiny Child." And he was he just kind of like stopped and was like, "You can pick up your coffee at the end of the line." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I just put the funny story and I was half expecting this to happen, but then it kind of became a little battle between some people of like liking Beyonce or not liking Beyonce. And I think an, an interesting thing that I've been thinking a lot is the the separation between, I guess, personal enjoyment of certain art and appreciation of the cultural in, importance, mm-hmm. right? I feel like for a lot of people, they it seems like if you don't like a certain kind of music or or art then you kind of try to disqualify the cultural significance and those things don't necessarily have to go together and i really have no i I don't really listen to the radio or a lot of pop music so my opinion of beyonce is more i guess on her cultural importance because that's the stuff i see i don't really listen to a lot of her music so she's significant for me in that respect but i don't really have an opinion on the actual music she's creating, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. I think that people do get mixed up in, you know, kind of con- conflate those two things. And I find that a lot of times, like it's, you know, everybody has different preferences in music, and I think everybody, you know, people are entitled to their own their own kind of musical palette and what they're interested in. But I also think that like when people kind of deny the like cultural significance of what she's doing and like how she's worked and how long she's been doing this and how she's evolved over the years. It's kind of like, okay, now you're just hating. Yeah, like, right. that's what I feel like. <laughs> I feel like, you know, if you don't like her music, like that's fine. Like you don't have to like her music. Beyonce's not worried about everybody liking her music. Beyonce's <laughs> not worried about anybody. Like Beyonce is Beyonce. But like when people kind of go into like denying like the, the significance and what she means to like, women like myself (laughs) like she she means so much to black women and women of color and and black women especially and I love that like she spoke on the headline Coachella that was one of the first things that she said when she spoke to the audience and the way she presented herself like for me that is so significant and it's not just you know she's she's a musician and she's she's making what I think is really great music and she's an amazing performer and artist but also that she is undeniably herself i don't know if you saw um that her mother posted uh tina knowles posted on um or tina lawson excuse me she's married um posted on instagram a post saying that she was worried she had warned her daughter that like she was a little worried that people wouldn't get all of the like black college references and black culture references in her performance and especially at Coachella, which is a predominantly white audience. And, you know, she was like, I'm a little worried about that. And that's, that is so common in our community, that fear of our own blackness, of showing our own blackness, of, of putting ourselves out there in a way that's going to make anybody uncomfortable. And Beyonce was like, no, like that, like I'm at a point where I am authentic and I'm going to be me and I'm going to show me. And I really, really, really appreciate that. Cause that, is going against the rules of what a lot of us were raised with. You know, I think that like, you know, I, we were, we were raised a lot of, of, of black people in this country were raised to feel like we have to 
we have to hide certain things about ourselves to be accepted and to be okay. And the, you know, the concept of respectability politics has, has been going on for a very, very long time. And this read this, that her showing like, no, I've, I've made it, I'm significant and I'm going to be my full, beautiful black self and not tamper that down to, to, to appease anybody else. is just so what we need right now. And so mm-hmm. I just think it was absolutely amazing. Right. And I mean, I did, I saw the little clip uh, that she did with uh, Destiny's Child, Mm -hmm. um, but I I haven't seen the whole thing. And just from what I know uh, about her specifically in the past couple of years, I think what she does is that's effective is she is incorporating these types of things. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think in a way that is genuine to who she is and her music. So it doesn't seem. And me to me, it, it doesn't seem very, I guess, combative or it doesn't seem like in, in your face, I guess, because it seems authentic, but that also may just because I'm very liberal. Yeah. So. You have very liberal <laughs> that you're A lot of people, you know, view her performances and like her performance at the Super Bowl as like a, right. you know, like in your face political statement. And, and just, you know, it's like, no, she's, 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 this is authentic to what, this is her voice, you know? And I think like, that's, that's a big part of being an artist is like, that's the, like, that's, I think like what, what I think draws a lot of artists to being an artist is that you can use your medium to share your own voice and how you feel about things. And so I appreciate that she's, you know, that she's doing that, but I definitely think that it does make people uncomfortable, you know, and you can, you can see that, but it like, it's saying something. So it will make people uncomfortable. Right. And I feel like, I mean, no matter what it is, all, I mean, really all art makes people uncomfortable that's kind of the point because it's meant to be an expression of self and of our culture and of all those things so yeah i mean it's it's meant to to push boundaries whether you want it to or not because that's why people get into it i mean i don't know any artist who really is into making art that's just safe and that everyone's going to be able to to just take without having any kind of emotional reaction to. Right. Right. I, I think you're right. I think that's, that's one of the fundamental parts of being an artist. And I think that unfortunately for black artists, when you make, you know, when you have mainstream success and you have a big platform, there is that expectation that you have to, to mold your work to fit, um, you know, the, the white, gaze and what's going to make people, mm-hmm. you know, not make people uncomfortable. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I applaud her. And also, I mean, she's, you know, her and, and her husband, they, they do so much philanthropic work. They do so much, like they, they really are not just talking the talk, but they're like walking the walk. So that part is really exciting to me too. Cause she launched, um, she's going to be doing college scholarships to, um, historically black colleges and universities that she just announced today. I don't know all the details about it, but that's really exciting to go along with this, 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 um, you know, her promoting black education and black excellence. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, so that that like I think that was actually probably like the spark that had me really fired up because I was up watching it like yesterday at six or not six o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, yes, this is everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really nice to see. I guess so much excitement around it with, I guess the more negative things that are going on. Um, mm-hmm. exactly. I think because I mean yeah. it was all the the Starbucks controversy and Syria on my newsfeed, and then all of a sudden it was like kind of rays of hope around right, Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> yes, a ray of hope, yeah. Especially, I think, in, in contrast to uh, Starbucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, yeah, let's talk about yeah. Starbucks. Okay, so basically two men were... Uh, the manager, there were two black men um, waiting for a third friend at a Starbucks sitting there. They haven't ordered yet because um, they were waiting for another person. And I guess they went up to the manager to ask if they could use the restroom. And the manager said no, because they haven't ordered and asked them to leave since they hadn't ordered yet. Um, and the men explained that they were waiting for their friend, so they weren't going to leave. Uh, so the manager, I guess, called the police and the police showed up, um, asked the men to leave and they explained that they were waiting for a friend. Their friend who was white showed up um, as they were being arrested um, and there were multiple uh, white people taking videos and questioning why the men were being uh, arrested. So now there's been protests and it looks like... Uh, the manager, the, the statement is that the manager will not be working at that store any longer, um, which isn't the same as being fired. Um, but yeah. they did say there's an internal investigation uh, going for it. But yeah, that was a that was a good summary of <laughs> what, we, what we know of the story. And since then, so I know that there have been protests in that Starbucks. It's a Starbucks in Philly, right? Um, and so there were protests and I guess earlier, I don't know if it was earlier today, they, they shut down the, that location, um, mm-hmm. due to the protests. So I don't know what's going on right now. Interesting thing though, like not even an hour before we sat down for this, I saw another video that's like currently going viral that Sean King posted on Twitter that, uh, that happened in a Starbucks, like, like up the street from me, like in Hawthorne. Um, and a, um, black man was filming. He was told that he couldn't use the restroom before he ordered. And then he like waited and then somebody came out of the bathroom and he asked the guy, have you ordered anything yet? He said, no. He's like, oh, but you went to the bathroom. Um, oh yeah. I did. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I just went up and asked him for the code and he hadn't bought anything yet. So then the guy goes back up to the count to the counter with the guy who was who had just come out of the bathroom and um, starts asking the the front the uh, counter person and then they like called security and asked him to leave and I don't know what's going on with that video but it is it's 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 a pretty common occurrence that that you that that were treated differently in, in in public spaces like it's just kind of one of those things that like I'm so used to it that I don't even notice that I'm used to it until I'm with my like best friend who's white and I notice how she conducts herself in certain spaces and doesn't have that same kind of like anxiety of like, are they watching me? Are they worried that I didn't do anything? Are they worried? Like I, I get 
I get like very self-aware when I've reached into my bag to like grab my phone and then reached in to grab my phone again. And I'm looking at things. I'm like worried if somebody is going to think that I'm stealing. And it's just part of life. Like it has been, but it's also like, this is not an okay. This isn't okay. We shouldn't be used to this. Right. Yeah. And I a hundred percent, I was with a friend, um, and we went to some, for some pizza in the place that didn't have a restroom. And we were asking, like, a, where's the closest restroom? And they said, oh, well, you can go next door, but they're not going to let you use the restroom unless you buy something. And we both we were both white and we both looked at each other like, OK. And we walked in and had no issue. And as we were coming out, someone else who was of color was asking and they were like, you have to make a purchase. It's, so I mean, we it's didn't so even... common. Mm-hmm. It's so, so common. And, and I, I don't. I mean, I think that like, this is why I am so glad that, you know, in Philadelphia, that they're not letting it go with just this apology of, okay, well, the person's been, you know, they're not at that store anymore. And we're sorry. It's like, well, what does that mean? It continues Mm -hmm. to happen. What exactly does we're sorry mean? We have to do something to change what's going on. And I don't know exactly, I don't know what that is, but like, it's not getting better with just we're sorry, move on, you know? Yeah. It's hard because it's, it's like, it almost, I feel like it has to be a cultural shift because when you even think about it, like situations like this, there's also other kinds of bias. There's based on class, right? I mean, I'm not going to be stopped from probably going into a restroom anywhere because I look pretty put together and look showered and nice. Where if a, a white person walks in who looks homeless, they'll probably be questioned. Probably right. not as quickly as if it was a black man or woman who was homeless. But like, right. there's varying levels of how it it, it works. And I, I saw people online bringing up like, well, why aren't we outraged at the police? And in that situation. And it's mm-hmm. like, but they really did their job, right? They didn't, I mean, I thought they actually handled the situation like it's, it's it's a hard because like based on what they're told have to do or like what their job is, they handled it exactly the way they're trained to handle it. They didn't escalate a situation. They it, it's just it's it's a weird thing because it was a private store and the manager called and said this these people were causing problems they were asked to leave the cops asked them to leave and they wouldn't so they almost it's kind of almost like that civil it's it's civil disobedience right i mean you have to cause a if they would have just left probably none of this would have happened because no one would have put it on facebook and no one would have known about it and the issue would still have been the same issue um so it's almost like it's a hard thing because in in that moment those two men became activists whether they were aware of it or not or wanted to be or not they made the choice that this isn't right right so i'm going to risk being arrested in this moment Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point you know that's a good point is that they they decided to stand up in that moment for for what wasn't right and kind of and 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 I don't, I don't know that they even really, you know, were were thinking about it in that way, like consciously, but just recognizing that, like, this is not right. I shouldn't have to leave here because, what, like, it, yeah, you know. Um, and it, it's, 
it's hard because I think that like I get that the police did what they were tasked to do in that situation. Just, you know, they're called. This is a private establishment. If manager wants you to leave, like I get that. But I also think like how how much longer are black people going to be subjected to the imagination of whoever sees them? You know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, so because you have decided that something is wrong here now, I have all these consequences. And like, when does that, when does that stop? You know, it Mm -hmm. just like, it it makes me actually think about, um, I don't know if you heard the story. I think it was last week, um, a 14 year old boy who, I don't remember where he lived, but he was on his way. He missed his bus to school. And so he knocked on a neighbor's door and the neighbor, my wife answered the door and I guess immediately started screaming, why are you trying to rob me? Even though he was trying to explain that he had missed his bus. And then the husband comes down the stairs and tried to shoot him, like shot at him and the kid ran away, but he could have quickly been a hashtag. And what would the story, what would the narrative have been if that had happened? The narrative would have been, mm-hmm. I thought I was being robbed. This, 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 just this black man came to my door and tried to rob me. So I shot him. Well, actually, he was 14 years old. He was on his way to school asking a neighbor for help. Like, and, but again, it's, it's, it's this, we're subject to the consequences of people's imaginations. Right. And how do you, how do you change that when it's a, such a deeply rooted systemic problem? Because people are being conditioned to be afraid police are being um, directed to deal with these things in a certain way. And like, there's a, there's a huge break in the system and I really don't have any clue where, like where to start to fix it. But I just am like, it's so exhausting to continue to see things like this happen. Well, yeah. And you have the, it's almost there's, I, I see two kind of parts to it because there's the, the, the racism element you have to shift, but there's always there's also this judge first kind of mentality because even the other story I'm thinking of is that uh, that you hear about the 13 uh, year old who tried to drive his brother's car and the dad thought the car was being stolen so shot the kid who was his son and killed him without realizing that it was the kid in the car. And it's, I think it all comes back. It's crazy, but it all comes back. I think in our society, it's very much react first, ask questions later, as opposed to trying to gather the information uh, to kind of assess how we should react. It's just so instinctual. And then when you add things like sexism and racism and homophobia and fear of the poor and all, all these things in it, it just causes chaos and and violence and all these things we're seeing yeah yeah and it it is it's very i feel like we're people are getting conditioned more and more towards that fear response and that like judge first and don't ask questions i feel like in the last few years we've really seen like an increase in this kind of you know fear-based like everybody's out to get you so like you have not not on you know in certain in certain areas but i think that like people are being that it, like that's being amplified, that mm-hmm. fear. And, you know, I just, I don't, like, I think like there has to be an, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there had, like, I don't know. It's like we have to like hit a reset button or something. Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. 
Yeah. And it's hard, I think, too, like, because, I mean, I try to get as much of the information uh, as I can before I place judgment on anything. But in the Starbucks situation, it just seems the parts that everyone is saying happened just don't seem to they seem to indicate that it was a hundred percent racially motivated just because the oh. right. I think a lot in a lot of situations you have the argument that, well, it wasn't, it was this, it was like people tried to, but it's the part of everyone's story. It's the part of the manager story that the police mm-hmm. department story and what's on the videos that is actually all the same. So right. for me, it's like the only part of it you can't really deny because the manager actually engaged first she engaged with you can't use bathroom because you didn't order anything and they had said oh we're waiting for a friend before we order mm-hmm. so she had the or he i think it was a, a woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah had the full context of what was happening and still made that choice so it's yeah. just Yeah. And I also think too, like another thing that is hard for me when these things do happen is that I, I, when I'm reading about them, I tend to immediately see people like if they have a video clip, people will start to ask questions of like what happened before and what was going on. And like part of me gets that, that need to want to know as much as you can. But at the same time, I also feel like that comes up a lot more when it's an issue that seems pretty clearly about race, but people want to find something mm-hmm. else for it to, to be about. And so it's like, people will kind of go through what happened before. And it's also like, well, it, like it just, it feels like people don't ever want to recognize that, yeah. that it's a racially motivated thing. But at the same time, like we can all recognize that like there is racism. There are people in this country that have racial bias. Like we, there's so much, evidence that it's there but then when people actually see um evidence of it they don't want to believe that that's what it is and it's like well i I don't know that part just is 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 frustrating and 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 um feels like we have to kind of continually like prove that this is happening and like there's videos but we still have to prove that this is happening well what happened before the video well what did they you know and it's just like well no there are situations where it's just clearly somebody is racist as bug and that's all it is Right. And I think, too, like, yeah, there's two. There's a difference between saying, oh, I want I want the full context and to know how it escalated to this situation or asking genuine questions versus what I see 99 percent of the time, which is someone saying, well, we don't know that this can't be racist because we don't know what happened to it or this could have happened. They're asking the questions in hopes of being able to deny how the video looks. They're not actually asking genuinely to want to have a full picture of what happened. They're looking for any glimpse to deny what is being seen. And those are, I think those are two very different, different things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hmm. But the thing I did, the thing I did, the last thing I'll say about it is, um, oh, who tweeted it? Um, I cannot remember who did it, but there was a a tweet and then an an article about how, uh, kind of what we're talking about is it's like, this is such kind of a, a, a subtle form of, of racism in a way of like something people do every day, like just sit in our Starbucks waiting for someone before they order, um that 
it's hard to know like, well, what, how do we fix this part of it? But uh, I think a part of it is what we saw there were people standing up who have privilege and asking questions in the moment and trying to see why it's happening and call it out when it mm-hmm. seems and is racially motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it wasn't just that's... his friend, like in the video, it was it's just people. people sitting there. It was a lot of people yeah. who were videoing and saying things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is probably the fastest way we actually create the change we, we need is by, more people who are observing it instead of walking away or ignoring it um, to actually engage. Right, right. Engaging and 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 asking those questions and 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 I think like and then sharing that with other people. Like, do you believe this? Like, do you believe what I just saw? Like, because I think that there is a big part of people who have the privilege that you haven't experienced is that you just don't think that it actually happens, mm-hmm. and then you see it happen and you're like, wait a minute this is wrong, you know? And, and so talking about that and being vocal about it and sharing about that. And like you said, speaking up in the moment and asking questions because it, it needs to be called out as it's happening and Mm -hmm. it needs to be, it can't just be us calling it out. Like this is, you know, black people, people of color have been expressing these things. And in that moment, it doesn't matter what you say. And so I think it was really powerful that like they were pretty stoic and quiet while the whole thing was going on and there were people around them in the Starbucks, like what, what's going on, what they do. Right. And I did see too. uh, Sure. Yeah. The commissioner uh, in his statements uh, commented on how the uh, police uh, didn't want to make the arrest and had tried to talk the, the manager kind of out of, making them which at the end of the day they ended up doing it anyways but i think there's also it's it's worth pointing out that i think the more even if at the end of the day there's a there's a protocol and as a cop you're going to follow it even if you don't personally agree with it in the moment having those well this doesn't seem right and verbalizing it i think also helps change police culture slowly it's true yeah, that's a good point. That I didn't. If that know actually that happened, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that they that they um, tried to not arrest them. And, and it, but yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense too, because you hear stories about police officers and law enforcement um, individuals who are doing things that they don't want to be doing themselves. And it's like, well, is there a way that you can? I know that you have to do your job, like you said, but is there a way that they can speak up on it as it's happening? Or like you said, say, say something. I think that that, that could really, really make a difference with yeah. police culture. Cause right now the police culture is such a tight, like, you know, it's such a tight knit group that that's very self-protected. And I think that's also kind of part of the issue is that, that we kind of people activists kind of buck up against that when there's a clear picture of something wrong, but still, um law enforcement not being willing to say it yeah so well i think we need to leave it there yeah um there yeah i don't have any homework i guess i mean i guess since we're transitioning into a new moon phase um just kind of the homework i guess would be just to check in with yourself and how you're feeling and yeah just that in in general which is kind of always the homework (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Just self-awareness is, is, is the ongoing homework. So I love it. Wonderful. 
Okay, we'll have a great week, and we will be back next week. All right, we'll see you next time.